This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Now through the neutral zone comes Connor McDavid. Double team, got it back. Great shot, score. What a beautiful move. Deep backhand, went back to the forehand. And welcome back, Connor. His sixth goal of the season is a work of art. Raleigh, he's going to keep it. He hits the five. Hey, Edmonton, that's your quarterback. Mike Riley to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimo. Ladies and gentlemen, Dagger. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30, Chad. Happy Friday, folks. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. We got a fun three hours ahead. A lot of hockey talk. Little football, both Canadian and European. We'll break down some of the playoff series going on in the NHL. We'll go down the highway to see what's going on with that Calgary Arena project. A shocking new price tag placed on it earlier this week. A member of the Toronto Blue Jays has been suspended for using performance-enhancing substances. We'll get to all that, but let's jump right into the scoreboard. First of all, the Flyers and the Capitals. No goals in the first period. The Capitals on home ice trying to close it out. They're up three games to one. The Islanders and the Panthers are about to start in Sunrise, Florida. That series is tied 2-2. A couple of other series could end tonight. The Sharks in Los Angeles with a 3-1 series lead on the Kings. And Dallas hosting Minnesota. The Stars are up 3-1 in that series. The Oakland Athletics... 4-1 lead over the Toronto Blue Jays. That is now into the top of the fourth. Darwin Barney, great name, has homered for the Blue Jays tonight. Western Hockey League Conference Finals set to begin. Red Deer at Brandon, Seattle at Kelowna. Those are some of the things we'll be watching this evening. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet at 6.07. My name is Reed Wilkins. If you would like to reach out, the text line is 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. You can also tweet me at Reed Wilkins. In about uh, 7 to 10 minutes approximately, we will be joined by Matt Hendricks of your Edmonton Oilers as he's getting ready to leave. I think he leaves in about a week or so. We'll find out. Matt playing for Team USA at the upcoming World Hockey Championship. It'll be good to connect with him. He got to play last year and he won a bronze medal. Bob Stoffer is going to hop on tonight. We'll talk to Jeff Rieger, who's the broadcast host for the Detroit Red Wings games. They are done. And some questions uh, about the future of that team. Chicago, still alive. Still alive after the big overtime goal by Patrick Kane last night. Mark Spector has been covering that series. He will weigh in on the impact 
on the psyche of the two teams after Chicago stayed alive last night. Morley Scott's going to join us to preview the Eskimos show. That'll be Sunday at 4. I believe he has Mike Riley and Ed Hervey on the show. Big one coming up there for Morley. Uh, of course, uh, well, this is going to be fun, too. In studio a little bit later on with Daryl Fordyce and Albert Watson from FC Edmonton, who play a home game Sunday against the Ottawa Fury. Uh, FC Edmonton, three matches this season. Zero goals. Offense a little bit of a problem, and they had a fight at practice earlier this week. So uh, we'll get to the bottom of that. All ahead on Inside Sports. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Just some news and notes here as we uh, take you through the show. New agreement between the CFL and uh, the NFL. Glenn Johnson's going to join us later. He's the CFL Senior Vice President of Football. And what's going to be happening is we're going to have NFL officials, okay, NFL officials working CFL preseason and regular season games in June and July. Glenn Johnson will give us uh, the details. Eskimos GM Ed Hervey on this new agreement. Anything to improve the game. You know, that's what we want. I think that's what our fans want. I know that's what we want as uh, operators, uh, managers of our of our brand and our teams. You know, the players uh, want it, deserve it, and the fans deserve it. So anything that improves the on-field product, you know, we're all for Interesting agreement as the two leagues teaming up to help with uh, official development and experience and, and all that kind of stuff. So Glenn Johnson will expand on that as we move along tonight. Here's some uh, Blue Jays news today. Chris Colabello, who, by the way, attended an Oilers game this past season. We got to interview him. He was going up for Fort McMurray for an event, and uh, he joined us on the Faceoff show. Blue Jays first baseman, an 80 game suspension without pay after testing positive for a performance-enhancing drug. Toronto GM Ross Atkins says Colabello is going to be missed in the Jays' locker room. Sure, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, he's human, uh, we're human, uh, his teammates are human, uh, and there's a lot of people that uh, are, are concerned about what it means for our team, And but I think mostly what people are thinking about right now are, is Chris and being and in their concern for him. Colabello this year batting Point zero six nine. Obviously, early in the season, but uh, not doing well. Decent numbers last year. He was uh, three twenty one with fifteen homers and fifty four driven in. Atkins uh, just saying this is all a big unfortunate incident. Yeah, I mean it's uh, obviously a very difficult situation, and you know my my initial reaction was uh, empathy, extreme disappointment, uh, the combination of the two because of what it means for our team and what it means for him. All right. So, you know what? i got to say this. Kellen Kennedy's on, on the other side of the window. i I, I got to say this. I, I have become a little more tolerant of... And I, I, I almost hate that I'm saying this, that I've reached this point in my life. I, I've become a little more tolerant of performance-enhancing substance abuse over the last few years. Hmm. Maybe I'm just too accepting of the fact that it's out there. Um, you know, that guys are looking for that edge. They're looking to prolong their careers. I mean, I used to be like, well, you're a bad human being. If you dope, you're a, you're a bad human being. Hmm. Uh, I mean, Colabello's not a star player. Uh, whatever he uh, he used, and you know, you can go up and look the long look up the long name. I, I, it has shorter names, but um, I mean, I don't know. I just find I'm a little more accepting and, and less uh, damning of uh, athletes who are, are, are caught using it. I think, that, you know, they're trying to get an edge. I do believe that sometimes 
sometimes ignorance is an issue, though mm. it really shouldn't be. But I do think sometimes maybe some of the excuses, oh, I didn't know or I didn't know, or, you know, this was in there. I, I do, th- you know, I, I think that flies some of the time. I mean, if, if this was the Reed Wilkins of six, seven years ago, I'd probably be like, kick Colabelle out of the game. Just get him out of there. Yeah. Now I'm like, all right, he's got to miss uh, half a season. He got caught. He's not, he's not the only one. That doesn't make it right. But I'm just a little less throw the book at people. I mean, you follow a, uh, well, it's not a sport. You follow a form of entertainment. Sports entertainment. Where I'm sure go. some of the athletes may have uh, had some oh, uh, artificial assistance. And it's been an issue, Reed, since uh, even before the first WrestleMania in 85. With guys uh, using performance-enhancing drugs and steroids and the like, uh, with pro wrestling, so uh, it's 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 a situation where yeah, you know, you watch it and you realize that okay, watching Hulk Hogan in his prime, definitely he's on something because you watch a tape of him in a match and like from 1988 and you compare it to like Hogan in 96, 97. That's two different, almost two different body types, right? Is you know when he was on the gas, and then when he was <laughs> like you know all on natural, the gas. as they call I like it, right? That. So all right. So anyway, I get what you're saying is what I'm trying to say. Right, I got you. <laughs> that's uh, that's the news on Chris Colabello. Uh, Chris Colabello today. Uh, text uh, early text from Stephen to six thirty six thirty. Hey Reed, if the Oilers draft two or three, does that seal the deal? on trading Eberly because we'll be getting a winger. Hope not. Love the Maroon-McDavid-Ebbs combo. Eberly with 45 goals next year if he plays with McDavid. I uh, I think that... Uh, I, I, I think that it probably seals the deal on a winger being traded and probably more likely that it's Eberly because of the position. I, I talked about this yesterday. I just think if we could read Peter Shirelli's mind, um, he would probably want to keep Hall over Everly, even though you, you could get more for Hall. And, 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 I, and I do think there's stuff out there that would work for the Oilers uh, where, they, where they could improve the defense. But yes, if the Oilers draft two or three, I, that certainly if they draft one, two, or three, it opens the doors for uh, more trades. All right, here's what we're going to do. It is uh, 6.15 in about three minutes. We will be bringing in Oilers winger Matt Hendricks to talk a little bit about the World Hockey Championship. He's going to be playing for the United States. It's uh, 6.15 inside Sports on Chet. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Philly and Washington, five minutes into the second period now, still no scores. Washington looks for a home ice win and a series victory. Do you got something on? Uh, you got baseball on over there? Kellen, what are you watching tonight? Florida Islanders? Uh, I have Philly and Washington on right now, but I'll be able to find something. Probably you can watch I'll, whatever you want. I'll, I'll watch Florida and the Islanders. I like I think. it That's when we watch different games just yeah. so we can we yeah, can no. possibly uh, try to be better updated. Yeah, no worries. I'll switch over to Florida Islanders game. I'm looking forward to that one myself. So. Uh, Matt Hendricks coming up in about a minute and a minute and a half here. Uh, one texter responding to the previous texter who said that uh, he or she loved the Maroon McDavid Everly combo. 
this latest texter saying, I like the uh, Maroon-McDavid line A combo even better. And yeah, both those Finnish players, uh, Patrick Line and Jesse Pagliarve, are both right wingers. So that definitely could shake up the Oilers' depth chart. I mean, I think it's a pretty safe assumption that Yakupov won't be here. And, uh, you know, maybe a little uh, easier on the palate to uh, trade Jordan Everly if you are bringing in a, a high draft pick right winger for sure. And, uh, well, this is an interesting one. Uh, this texter simply says, Reed, how good is Patrick Kane? After last I'm, night, I'm pretty not, good. I'm not sure how to answer that. <laughs> to say he's very good. He's he's probably going to win the Hart Trophy this yeah. year. I think he should win the, the uh, Hart Trophy. A little more on that series with Mark Spector coming up in about an hour. Pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports left winger for the Edmonton Oilers and getting ready to represent his country at the World Hockey Championship, it is Matt Hendricks. Matt, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for making time for us. How's your uh, prep going? You getting all packed for the big trip overseas for the Worlds? Yeah, I'm working on it. Uh, my family, we came back about a week ago. Um, actually, it'll be it'll be a full week Saturday here. Um, got back, kind of a scramble to get everything unpacked and put back away, and, and now we're kind of settling in here. And Next week we'll continue. I've been skating and stuff, trying to maintain you know, staying in shape and things like that. So continue that, and then uh, get to leave on the 30th for Helsinki, Finland. Okay, right on. So it's getting ramped up for you. How, how many times is this going to be for you representing the U.S., Matt? This will be my second. Just your second. last year as well. Right, yeah. so last year there wasn't any junior team or college all-stars or anything when you were younger, eh? You know, what's funny is that all those those years growing up and going to camps for World Juniors and you know, your under-16s, I think, was my first attempt at it, and I never ended up making it. I'd go till the till the bitter bitter end and then end up getting the, the one of the last uh, cuts. So it was, you know, it was tough but very surreal last season when I got the first call to actually wear the jersey. And it yeah. Was, you know, I was very ecstatic. It, it's just a, it's a huge honor. Well, and I know a lot of uh, Oilers fans were happy for you too. And uh, what, what, I mean, you guys wound up with the bronze last year. What, how do you right. sum up that experience now that you you look back on it uh, a year later? You know, for me, it was uh, it was great. Um, we went into the tournament um, obviously as the underdogs. Uh, we had a we had a, 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 a pretty large group of of young younger kids, college kids, college age kids, and for us to uh, kind of overachieve like we did, it was great. Um, you know, it just shows you in a, in a short tournament what you can achieve just by working together and playing as a team. And, you know, I think that's what we did, and that, that's where we found most of our success. We weren't going out and beating teams, you know, by five, six goals every night. We were just playing a solid team, team-type team game, and, and uh, we came out with a, with a medal. It was it was a great experience. And then, it, obviously, in the medal game, we got to play the Czech Republic in Prague there. So that was, uh, that was unique as well. I always ask this, uh, especially of NHLers who then will play in the Olympics or, or the World Cup or the World Championships, how did you enjoy or perhaps maybe maybe not enjoy or, or find the differences? I mean, you go through that 82-game grind, and this is, like you said, it's just so, so short, and you kind of either get going or, or you don't. Uh, how, how do you contrast the experience of that short tournament? Well, I think, I, you know, I think the, the coaching staff did a great job kind of laying the groundwork for us. You know, we, we went into it um, with the mindset that, hey, we're here to actually – to accomplish something we're not here just to enjoy vacation and and have fun we're, we're going to have fun but at the same time we want to 
we want to come out of here with something to hang our hat on. And so they did a great job of that. And then I, I think, you know, we uh, we played a very good game in game one against Finland. We came out and, and you know, I think we took all the momentum away from them early and, and we continued to play well throughout the entire game. Kind of built our confidence real quick. Like, hey, we just beat one of the, you know, one of the teams that's supposed to be, you know, one of the top performers in this tournament. And, and we got a little bit more belief in ourselves, a little more confidence. And, you know, our younger players really started to stick out. And and uh, everybody had a good role and, and a good niche on, in our group. And, and we continued to climb from there. And then, obviously, after that, we got a little bit more help with the first round of the playoffs ending. And we got some players that came in, like Brock Nelson, Anders Lee, uh, Charlie Coyle, um, a number of guys that just came in and, and really helped solidify our group. You know, Matt, it, it's interesting when when I was a, when I was a kid, and I mainly grew up in the '80s, so at that time there were the Canada Cups. I mean, the 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 pros weren't going to the Olympics and all that stuff. But certainly yep. until the early '90s, the United States wasn't much of a threat internationally. You know, I, I, for me, it would be rare for for a U.S. team to to contend for a top three finish at a major international event. That's, I mean, that's really changed over the years. And I guess as a, you know, an American hockey player yourself, that's got to be a sense of pride that that the U.S. has gone from maybe being a bit of an also ran to now always always being a contender. Where, where do you think that that change came from? Can you put your finger on anything? Um, you know, well, for me, being from Minnesota, I was always always a big fan of Mike Madonna. And you know, I look at some of these great players, Brian Leach, guys that came in and really help make USA uh, kind of a brand name. You know, once the, once the Olympics came around and, and you could get NHL NHLers out there more frequently, it gave us a, a, a lot better opportunity to succeed in those tournaments. Is there, um, I mean, when you're part of a USA hockey team, is there a culture, for lack of a better word, or there standards that are going to apply regardless of what team that, that you're on, you know, what level team you're on? Um. I think that's growing still. Um, obviously, you look at Canada as kind of the, the hallmark, kind of where where you want to be in terms of international hockey and, and the way that they, the way that it doesn't matter what what forward is or what player is playing on what line, they're just proud to have the jersey on, and that's what we're trying to build here in, U- in the USA. Yeah, Matt Hendricks joining us inside sports on six thirty. Chad, he'll be playing for the states at the upcoming World Hockey Championship. So let me ask you this. Who's 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 America's number one rival in hockey? <laughs> uh, you coming off that Patrick King commercial? I think I'm not supposed to tell you. <laughs> no, I, I definitely I, I I'd be lied if I didn't say it was Canada. Um, like I said, it's kind of the pedigree of hockey right now with their Olympic play and obviously winning gold last year in the World Championships. And you just look at the lineup that, that sometimes it feels like they could put three teams together. So. Obviously, Canada is the team that we would love to beat. Um, we're going to have our hands full with them in the first game of the, of the tournament. Well, yeah, that's interesting, too, that uh, the two teams start off against each other. So that's going to be uh, uh, a lot of fun. It's two eight-team pools to get things going. D- does um, I mean, when you look back on some of the, the games you watched as a viewer, whether it's uh, Olympics mm-hmm. or past World Cups, any memories that uh, that stand out for you where you were really engaged as a fan? You know, I, I can't, I can't really pinpoint anything. But like I kind of hinted on earlier, just I'll never, I'll, the image of Mike Madonna skating in the USA jersey is kind of imprinted in my mind. And you know, I was a huge Minnesota North Stars fan, so I seemed to follow him as much as I possibly could. And 
and that that's kind of ingrained in my mind. And then Phil Housley, obviously being uh, from Minnesota, is another player who who's um, played quite quite a lot for the U.S. Uh, internationally, and he's kind of been a big advocate for USA hockey. Do I dare ask where you were during the 2010 Olympic gold medal final? <laughs> uh, I was ice fishing up on Red Lake in northern Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't watch the game till later, eh? <laughs> no, that's right. All right. Well, you just, you deserve the break, of course, because all the NHLers got a break at that time. Um, you're going to be um, there with uh, Patrick Maroon, who is now your uh, Oilers teammate. So uh, I don't know, like, who knows what lines you're going to be on. But uh, is it nice to have an NHL right. teammate in that locker room? I know there's other guys you know, but oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, and you know, last year what I found is is that the younger guys really wanted to learn, and they they were like sponges, and they. They they took uh, you know criticism well, but at the same time we were a great we we're a close knit team. So Patty's the kind of guy that you know he he's kind of a he's a true leader in the way that he plays and the way that he he prepares for games and performs. And I expect him to to carry carry that into the locker room in Russia just like he did in uh, in Edmonton. Well, Matt, great stuff. It's always good to catch up with you. I know everybody in oil country wishes you the best of luck, except, for, of course, for the first game on May 6th. <laughs> Canada. Other than that, you're good to go, okay? <laughs> you got it, pal. Thank you, Reed. Thank you, Matt. That is Matt Hendricks checking in tonight. Good to talk with him. May 6th in Russia. That tournament starts. Canada and the USA will get it going. It's 6.28. The news is coming up. We have a goal in Washington, and it's scored by the Flyers, who are trying to stay alive. Ryan White gets his first of the playoffs, a shot that was actually going wide but went in off the skate of a Washington defenseman. Sam Gagne and Mark Streit have the assist, so Philly trying to make that series interesting. Still no score. Islanders and Panthers, nine minutes left in the first period. We will check in with Bob Stoffer, Oilers now host. When we get back, we'll go to Detroit to see what's up with them as Pavel Datsuk played his final game as a Red Wing. One of the storylines for that team going into the offseason. And, of course, you can always text 630-630. Got some uh, Oilers thoughts coming in that we'll get to in the next half hour as well. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. That uh, Red Deer Brandon game is about to get underway. Game one of that conference final in the Western Hockey League, Eastern Conference final. The uh, West showdown will start a little bit later on tonight. Seattle going up against Kelowna will keep you updated. The Blue Jays are now down 6 1 to the Athletics. That's in the top of the fifth. 1 0 Flyers leading the Caps, 8 15 left in the second period. Scoreless Islanders and Panthers, 12 minutes into the game. Later, Sharks at Kings. San Jose wins the series with a win. Dallas home to Minnesota. The Stars win the series with a win. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You can always text 630-630. I'll get to some of your texts a little bit uh, later on. Some Oilers thoughts rolling in from a few of you. We are counting down to next Saturday's draft lottery, and we will have some coverage uh, surrounding that here on 630 Ched, uh, likely starting in the 6 o'clock hour once we know the results. The Oilers with a 13.5% chance of drafting first overall, which this year means Austin Matthews. I was just talking to Matt Hendricks from the Oilers. He's going to play for the States at the World Hockey Championship, and I'm going to bring in uh, 
Bob Stoffer here from uh, Oilers Now. Bob, thanks for making time for me on your Friday night, buddy. Really appreciate it. Yeah, all good, Reed. How you doing? Doing well. I got I got some names for you. Just to just before we get into some of the Oilers stuff, um, let me see here. Mark Fusco, David A. Jensen, uh, Mark Johnson. <laughs> Uh, I, you have a way better memory than me. Those are some of the players on the 1984 United States Canada Cup roster. Tom Hirsch. I mean, if if they played in the NHL, they didn't play very long. Well, the Fuscos played at Harvard, and the Johnsons played at uh, Wisconsin. And since I got about eight years or so on here, ten years, uh, you know. Yeah, there's no question the Americans have come a long way. Uh, you know, everybody talks about the significance of 1980 and winning that gold medal, but really, for I think for, you know, the 96 guys that won the World Cup or the Canada Cup at that time, they credit the 1980 guys, but I think the generation subsequent winning that 1996 Canada Cup, that's really when the American game took off and they established themselves as a... Uh, a legitimate hockey nation. I mean, they beat Canada twice uh, in the best of three. One of them was because Glenn Sather got caught uh, with just one centerman on the ice and they lost the draw. Uh, Canada did outshoot the U.S. And even the pre-tournament games, I remember Eric Lindros got in a fight. Uh, Claude Lemieux was fighting for Canada. Uh, there was there was some nasty business in the mid-'90s. The game was a little bit different. Uh, Lindros fought Garen, and I think it was to Chuck and Lemieux. So, you know, there's there's no question today, though, and I think you'd agree with me. Um, you know, I asked Ryan Smith this question yesterday. He said, is, is the U.S. Canada's biggest rival? And he was very polite and didn't want to say it, but we all know who the biggest rival is. It's the United States. They've come a long way. When, when, when the Americans decide to do something in sport, they get good fast. Yep. And uh, we have to come to terms with that. And their system is nowhere near as deep as ours in terms of producing uh, – male players it's every bit as deep as ours with uh with women's hockey but on the men's side i mean they can produce one really good team and that's the challenge every year that u18 championship i mean that's their tournament because they get that team that basically plays together the entire year uh so they're good they play hard um i still think canada is a little bit better i think that the canadian forwards uh, you, you take a look at it, and the, quarter, the guys that are the point guards and the quarterbacks that morph into hockey in the States, they all play defense, uh, you know, and, and they're the puck movers. Uh, I, I think our, our forwards are a little bit smarter. Uh, you know, that, that obviously doesn't include guys like Kane and Pavelski who have to be smart at that size to play. Uh, so they still produce some big wingers that don't have the best vision on the ice. But the United States is clearly in my mind, uh, 1B to Canada's 1A is the top two uh, countries in the world. Well, and you make a great point that if the U.S. puts its mind to getting good at, at, at a sport, men's soccer is uh, perhaps even a better example than men's hockey. Because they before they got the hosting rights for the 94 World Cup throughout the 80s, Canada's soccer program was ahead of the United States. And now how far apart are they in the rankings? Probably, I haven't looked lately, probably 80 or 90 spots. So... <laughs> That tells you all you need to know there. Uh, Hendricks, Hendricks cited a couple times in the interview I did with him in the last half hour, Bob, Mike Medano as a huge influence on, on American hockey. Now, haven't you identified him as, as your greatest American player of all time? 
Well, he, yeah, and I mean, he changed the rule for off ice officials in the Western Hockey League from when he played Prince Albert too, because he got granted a lot of secondary assists at that time. I mean, he's an electrifying player, and some people have compared Connor McDavid to uh, Mike Medano. I think Connor is a better player; is going to be a better player than Medano. Uh, but you know, Medano, Medano was a spectacular player, and Medano was on that '96 team that uh, that beat. Uh, Team Canada, so you know that, that's fair. I mean, I know that we had fun with Mark Spector. Reed, you remember this? He put a tweet out saying Joe Pavelski was the best American player right now, and I was like, "Well, uh, what about Patrick Kane?" Right. And and where is Ryan Suter in all this too? <laughs> so, uh, but absolutely, Medano's. Uh, you know, historically speaking, just you know what he did for the length of time that he did it. He, you know, he's there. I mean, when they had Medano and they had to Chuck and they had Ronick on their team. I mean, those are three legitimate high-end guys that brought it up front. Bob Stoffer joining us inside sports on 630 Chet. It's uh, 6.39. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, I want to I wanna, I wanna touch on something that brought, you brought up today in your interview with uh, Elliot Friedman on Oilers Now. And, of course, people can get the whole thing by going to the Oilers Now page on 630Chet.com. What was it you asked him? Barry, Vatanen, and Falk? If, if any of those guys uh, would be available in the summer, man, they would all help the Oilers. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I still look at Votnin as the most realistic and, and a guy who would help the team. Uh, Barry certainly, though, has blossomed into a, into a pretty good point producer from the back end. You know, and Elliot basically has you know stated the same thing that I feel, that Colorado's an unpredictable situation. Uh, we're, we're not sure what they're going to do there. They have inexperience with their general manager, their coach with Joe uh, Sackick and uh, Patrick Waugh. I think we can agree they bungled the whole situation with Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, though in, in Sackick's defense, that some of that uh, preceded his arrival. Um, so he, I mean, Elliot said he's for sure bought and, and uh and Barry, he could see being available. He doesn't believe that the, the Hurricanes would part with Justin Falk. I think they would contemplate it. And uh, and then the, you know those are those were the three guys. And, and Reed, those guys are all sort of you know they're they're the they're a puck moving right shot defense, but they're not that top tier. PK Subban's that top tier, and I know that Elliot did Calgary radio yesterday and talked about the fact that you know he's of the belief that the Canadians are. They're quietly listening to offers on Subban before his no-trade clicks in. This is something similar to what happened with, if you would recall, with Lubomir Vizhnovsky. He got he he signed in the contract extension with the L.A. Kings, but did not, uh, you know, didn't make it to when his no-trade clicked in, and they moved him before then uh, in the deal with uh, for Matt Green and Jared Stoll. Uh, where the Kings picked up two guys that ended up becoming huge parts of a couple Stanley Cup championship teams for him. So, yeah. you know, I think we both agree that P.K. Subban is a considerably better player than any of the three that I sort of mentioned. I don't know if Subban gets moved, um, but, you know, I think that if the Canadians are quietly listening to discussions on P.K. Subban, if you're the Edmonton Oilers, you know, you'd obviously have to entertain that as a potential offer. I just think it'd be a real long shot. I'm with you. Botnan to me, that's probably the most likely uh, scenario, just given Anaheim's depth on the fence and the fact that uh, they're going to have to do something and they can't sign both Votnin and Linhol, and they've got Theodore and Montour coming. So, you know, logic dictates that 
Anaheim's in a position of strength and can address an area of weakness by virtue of their, uh, you know, their depth on defense. That 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 Subban situation, Bob, and I talked about it last week, and and, and Louis Jean from from TVA Sports in Montreal was on with me, and he suggests that. Maybe there is a rift in the locker room because Subban donated all that money to the children's hospital, but then the teammates voted Pacioretty for the King Clancy Award. I, I'm, I made a couple points. I said, first of all, if the Oilers had a defenseman who could who was 80% of P.K. Subban, he'd be the Oilers' best defenseman, given what, what they had last year. And even if Subban is a bit of a flamboyant guy who's a little divisive in the locker room, I mean, who cares? I mean, don't, I mean, look if the if the Oilers had a PK Subban caliber player who maybe didn't rub everybody the right way, but the Oilers traded him, like you and I would be on the radio for two days talking to angry people, wouldn't we? Like, I can't, I can't see how you trade a guy of that caliber. Well, I, I'm I'm with you. I think it's a long shot, but I got to take Elliot at his word. He believes there's wide discussion going on. I mean, I have a contact uh, in Montreal, and uh, uh, you know. There's a couple guys there. I mean, Carey Price and Brendan Gallagher are very popular players with that team. Uh, PK's style is a little bit more self-indulgent. I would categorize PK for me. He's probably a 6 through 12 to 14 defenseman in the league. I don't think I'd have him in the top five. Uh, but he's probably no worse than the fourth or fifth best offensive defenseman in the league. There's just a couple guys that are better all around. I mean, I don't think he's clearly he's not as good as Doughty and Weber. We can we can agree on that. There's two right shot guys for uh, you know Canada that played ahead of him. Petrangelo played ahead of him, and all three of those guys played ahead of him at the Olympics. So there's three right shot defensemen that are that are better than Subban on the Canadian team alone. I'd argue that Yossi is probably better. I'd say Duncan Keith, who's a left-shot guy, is better. So now I've gotten at least up to to five defensemen. But PK for me is probably six to fourteen. Uh, and if the Canadians are contemplating moving them, the Oilers are probably an organization that has the type of depth that they could get in. They could get in that conversation. Uh, it would ha- it, read there would have to be a six million dollar contract flying back the well, other way. Well, yeah. That's, I mean, that's an absolute given when you're talking a $9 million player. Well, and if you're the Canadians, I mean, do you even talk to the Oilers if Hall's not involved in the deal? Uh, well, I mean, what if Darnell Nurse is? What if it's Nuge and Hopkins? Nurse and Nuge? Okay, yeah, sure, maybe that, that would appeal, I, yeah. yeah. You know, I like Darnell. Like, Reed, I believe that this team will be led like you, you're around that team enough on a, yeah, at home here, and we saw what happened in Penticton. But there's no connection that, or no question that David, Drysaitel, and Nurse, uh, they certainly have a bit of a kinship that's developed here over the last year. And you know, Nurse and uh, McDavid played on the World Junior Team. They were they captain opposing teams in the OHL playoffs last year. And then Drysaitel went on to the Memorial Cup, was the MVP in the Memorial Cup, and. McDavid was the MVP of the OHL championship. You saw them in Penticton. I, I, I don't even think Leon realizes, A, how good he is, and B, that he is going to be a part of the leadership answer with this hockey club, with Connor McDavid. And Darnell Nurse has leadership skills, too. So I'd be a little leery. But I think that uh, now if you're talking Hall, I don't think you'd include Nurse in, in a deal like that to get Subban. All right, uh, I've got text, Bob. We'll do a couple more here just to answer some people's texts, and then I'll do some more after uh, after we let you go. Lucas says, hey, guys, do you think Brent Seabrook 
will be available before his contract goes into effect July 1st. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't see that, Bob. Yeah, that would that would surprise me. Um, I I do think that Brent Seabrook would be happy with a move at some point, Edmund. I could all but guarantee you that. So, you know, like if, if if let's put it this way, if Chicago management went to him and three years from now and said, "All right, we have to trade you. We have to rebuild." It's gone. The you know, if, if the team dramatically declined, uh, I I decided I think Seabrook would be open to coming to Edmonton. At that stage, though, I don't know if there would be the same appetite from Edmonton's end. All right, and this texture says, uh, why can't the Oilers stay with the roster that they have besides Yakupov and bolster our defense through free agency? Brandon Davidson, Darnell Nurse, Oscar Clefbaum sounds like a pretty good defense for starters to me. Bob, I think I understand what this texture is saying, but and this is a point I've made with you a few times. Um, you know, fair enough, you might how the free agent defenseman, I you know, I don't know if you're gonna find a guy that you might find through a trade um, and I just don't know if I want to rely and this is this was my point about Seth Jones not that I, I think he's a, a very good player I just don't know if I want to rely more on 2021 20, 22 year old guys I think this team has maybe gone that route a little too much in the past years again if, if Shirelli acquires guys this summer forward or D for that matter I want them to be 26 to 31 I really do Bob uh, well, I'd say I'd want them to be 24 to 29. Fair enough. I mean, we're and in the I, same range. And, right? and I specifically want a right-shot puck-moving guy that's had a history of generating offense in the back end. they got to get that. And, and and if they can supplement that with another free – like, if they can – so let's just say for sake of an argument, they move Nugent Hopkins and they get one of Falk or they get one of Barry. Okay, Falk or Barry. Uh, if they can supplement a Falk or a Barry – and they end up picking up uh, Jason Demers as another guy, as a right-shot defenseman, and that pushes Fane down into the third pairing. I think that's probably pretty good, given the fact that they still have Clefbaum and Nurse on the left side along with Sekros. But they got to improve their D. We know they got to improve their D, but one of the defensemen they bring in here has to have a history of generating offense. And people say, what about Keith Yandel? I think it needs to be a right-shot guy, and Yandel's a lefty. Bob, great to have you on the show, man. I hope you have a really good weekend. I'll talk to you Monday, okay? See you, bud. Bye-bye. That is Bob Stoffer checking in tonight. You get him on Oilers Now every weekday, noon to 2, right here on 630 Chat. A few more texts uh, I want to hit on. The uh, the theoretical trade discussion, obviously interesting at this time of year. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Inside Sports on Chat. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Happy Friday night. Hope you have a good weekend planned. Reed Wilkins with you on Inside Sports. It is 6.51. Coming up in the next hour, Jeff Rieger out of Detroit. The Red Wings are done. What is next for that proud franchise. Mark Spector from Chicago to talk a little bit about the Blues and the Hawks. Can Chicago somehow pull off this comeback? Glenn Johnson as well, CFL Senior Vice President of Football Partnership announced today. Partnership announced today between the NFL and the CFL, an officiating development program. It's interesting how that is going to work. There will be NFL officials working CFL 
regular season games this summer. What do you think of that? You can text 630 T has texted in. He says, Reed, please quit putting Bob on your show. He's a hot air machine like no other. T, we can't all be loved. I'm sorry you feel that way about Bob. He will be on this show periodically, and I will be on his show periodically. Uh, that's just how it goes. Sorry, buddy. Can't please everybody all the time with the guest list. Guest list. I wish I could, uh, but Bob will be on sometimes. Uh, Oz says, how about Brodeen? Minnesota is done. It's obvious they need support at offense. A deal may be forced there. That is from Oz. Uh, Topher Allen says, oh, Topher Allen, you are a funny man. If the Oilers get P.K. Supan, I will buy Bob Stoffer a Mediterranean chicken and wear a Clefbaum jersey to a game. That is from Topher Allen. I don't know how many games Topher Allen makes it, makes it to. I think he lives in central Alberta. I mean, Clefbaum's a good player, right? I know Topher doesn't uh, agree with uh, uh, the, ex- the extent of the impact of Clefbaum missing the last, whatever it was, 45, 50 games. But he is a good player. There was an impact. Yeah, there, there was. was. There was definitely an impact. I mean, there was a visible impact. You're, now, here's the thing. The Oilers are a better team if Clefbaum plays the whole season, or would have they been the same because Davidson basically just picked up Clefbaum's slack? That's an, right. Does 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 Davidson mm. get the opportunity and look as good as he did if Clefbaum's healthy? That's guess, another way to look at it. I guess we find out the answer to that after training camp if you have both Davidson and Clefbaum in your lineup opening day, right? Well, so. you got to pencil Davidson in. Yeah, after absolutely. The, after the season he had, yeah. I mean, he looked uh, very reliable. Not not a huge offensive threat, he, but he's a in the pretty top good six, defender. Definitely for D. Mo- yeah, move the puck. You know, decent. I wouldn't say he's a great puck mover, but mm-hmm. did, did okay with it. And I think a lot of people respected his work ethic. Mm. So, uh, yeah, the 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 cleft bomb debate. I mean, look, injuries. Aside, the Oilers weren't getting in the playoffs. McDavid healthy the whole season. Cleft bomb healthy the whole season. They they weren't getting in the playoffs. Uh, Bill says, Reed, something huge will be in the cards if the Oilers get first or second in the lottery, then Shirelli will weigh his options not before. And uh, we will know the lottery results in eight days. The Big L says, uh, Reed, I'm sure a few of the elite teams, Chicago, L.A., New York, fail to advance past the first round. They will want to retool their teams, and there will likely be some surprising defensemen available, more so than if they go a couple of rounds further. That is from the Big L. And, uh, oh, what is this What is this texter's name? I assume it's a handle. I hope I have this right. Oh, and now it's uh, refreshed on me. Hang on. Hang on. Rabadabadu? I think the, I think this this individual just wanted to challenge me to say to, to say the handle that he's uh, using. Yabba dabba do. Uh, well, it says rabba. Well, it says rabba dabba do. Maybe he meant yabba dabba do. Maybe it auto corrected. Yeah, it might, <laughs> I think it's yabba dabba do. We got Fred Flintstone on the other. I wasn't even there. thinking of that. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking of the Flintstones reference. I should have. 
Uh, anyway, this person says, I would trade Everly without hesitation. Sure, he has a great shot, but if he's not scoring goals, he's literally doing nothing else to help you win. Can't forecheck, can't backcheck, weak on the boards, doesn't go into dirty areas. I'd trade him for help on D and slot someone in his position that scores a little less but will help the team more overall. Well, that's the, yeah, that pretty much echoes the Everly argument that, that I have made. And, and Everly can score. He's an NHL player. Does he consistently have an effect on the game if he doesn't score? I guess that's my question to you, the Oiler fan. And I mean, the answer that to me that self is for myself is is not often enough. Patrick Maroon was able to score. He will not score at that pace next season. He will not be a point of game player next year. But he does. He's able to do stuff at forecheck when he's not on the score sheet, right? So that's why I wonder. If uh, if Everly is the guy in Shirelli's mind that goes, and again, it depends on the draft lottery. It, it does depend on the draft lottery. Topher Allen says he goes to about two to three games a year, weather and wife depending, LOL. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jamie says, uh, well, this is a fair text as well. Hey, Reed, my worry with trading Everly is that he's the only true goal scorer on a team full of playmaking forwards. And he could probably score even more if he one-timed the puck, to be frank with you, Jamie. Here's what we're going to do. A quick trip to Detroit to see what's up with the Red Wings. A quick trip to Chicago. For the latest on the Blues Hawks series, please keep your texts coming. You guys are busy on the text line tonight. I'll get to as many as we can as we move along. Fun first hour and more ahead. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.